Tired of outdated marketing advice aimed at the industrial and manufacturing space? My name is Salim Malouf. Join me and my co-host Chris Carolyn as we deliver candid insights from growth-minded leaders, helping you drive results and tackle modern challenges. Cut through the noise to get no-nonsense expertise. Welcome to the Manufacturing Marketing Show. Customer research, customer interviews, voice of customer, whatever you choose to call it, this is something that many companies think that they're doing. But in reality, most are just trying to create a setting for hearing what they want to hear from their customers, for collecting testimonials, and ultimately for selling them more stuff. In today's conversation, our guest, a deep expert in voice of customer with well over 10,000 hours of customer interviews under his belt. We'll talk about what voice of customer work really is and how to do it right and how to put what he calls customer outsights to work in a way that will benefit both you and your customers. Dave Loomis is the founder and president of Loomis Marketing, which provides consulting on branding, innovation, and digital transformation. Over his career, Dave has worked with numerous Fortune 500 companies, including DuPont, GE, Goodyear, IBM, Motorola, and Xerox. He's also counseled leaders and individuals on how to apply marketing best practices to themselves, strengthening their personal brands within their companies and communities. In 2020, Dave authored the book, Marketing is Everything We Do, and since 2021, has been the co-host of the B2B Marketing and Sales podcast. Previously, Dave served as CMO at Dixon Eaton, one of the country's largest independently owned PR firms. There, he helped clients craft their brands and helped individuals proactively manage their public reputations, especially in the digital world. For 15 years, Dave worked at the holding company office of NACO Industries, a $3 billion public diversified company. Dave began his career in Chicago at Leo Burnett, one of the world's largest ad agencies. He attended Northwestern University as an undergrad and graduate student obtaining his MBA from Kellogg, consistently rated as the top business school for marketing. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Dave, one of the first things we do when we are helping industrial manufacturing companies with their messaging is voice of customer research. Uh, ask our customers to choose a sample set of their customers that is willing to do an interview with us. At this point, we hit our first education challenge where we need to explain what voice of customer is and how it is not simply an NPS score or, you know, a testimonial for marketing. So Dave, could you explain to our listeners what voice of customer is? Well, <laughs> do we have three hours for this? No, <laughs> I'm just, just, just kidding. First of all, before I specifically answer that, the fact that you suggest talking to customers as a first step, as you're working with your own customers, that is fantastic. I wish more uh, service providers or s sellers of anything would would um, would do that because we can learn so much from that. And there's so many names for it, and and I think there's a lot of misinterpretation. There's um, there's misunderstanding. There's probably fear. Uh, People are scared when they hear voice of customer. Um, the smaller the company or the less experienced they are with it, the, the more fearful they can be. 
And uh, I think it comes from a lot of places, really. We can talk about that. But um, but how I define voice of customer is um, any kind of uh, purposeful conversation with a customer that has uh, an objective that is at least partially open-ended so that the customer can um, bring up things that we might not expect uh, and we can listen. <laughs> That's where the, their voice comes in. Um, and, uh, and I think I'll leave it at that. It doesn't have to be complicated, to be honest. And so anybody that's listening, don't be intimidated by this because it can be short, it can be long, it can be over the phone or Zoom or in person. But the, the most important thing is to, is to do it, as you well know. Some of the common challenges we have heard, both when we were internal at these companies and working with clients is, um, why don't we have the sales teams, you know, talk to the customers? And uh, like they're they're usually focused on closing the sale. They haven't they have not been successful in providing that voice of customer research that we usually need. What what is your experience in trying to, you know, circumvent this process and getting sales to do it instead? Uh, well, I. I, I'm going to say that I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the pushback because salespeople are hardwired to sell. That's We love them. We, we want them. If we just said, hey, no, no, no more salespeople, or at least no more people that are like their brains are just like, um, you know, set on, they hear a problem, they, they find a solution that we have to sell, they you know, overcome objections, all those good things. We need that. We love that. But in many cases, that skill set is not is not the same as the skill set of um, sitting there in front of a customer or talking to them and asking open-ended questions about unmet needs or just kind of discovery. And and part of it's training. Um, I'm not going to say that it's impossible for salespeople to do voice of customer work or that kind of interviewing, but I think it's unfair for us to rely on them to do that, to be perfectly honest with you. And I mean, unless you're a company, hey, okay, if you're a company of one person and <laughs> let's take the extreme and you're everything, you're the president, you're the salesperson or whatever, and you're the only person that can do the voice of customer, okay, do it. Or maybe even in that case, hire somebody to do it. But usually the firms we work with, even if it's a pretty small company, you know, they're going to have uh, somebody that is not a salesperson. They might be a product manager or an engineer or a, or a, um, a marketing person. Even if it's not a technical marketing person, it might be a marketing communications person. Um, and, and sometimes it takes... It's great to have a different person do that, um, do that interviewing and get that input. Um, the other reason is salespeople have close relationships. That's where part of this fear comes from. And they, uh, 
especially if they've been, you know, calling on somebody for a while, they have this relationship and they, um, they know a lot of things about their customer's business. So they actually don't want to um, appear to be misinformed. And so they're scared to ask what they would refer to as dumb questions, like, and hear the customer say, well, we should know the, you should know the answer to that. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> so, um, you know, in those cases, there's all sorts of training that we do, um, you know, for those cases, because that, that can be overcome as well with things like, well, you know, hey, I know I should know the answer to this question, but I really want to hear the answer in your words. Um, why does it work like that? Or why do you do that step in the process? Um, and you kind of, you know, chuckle your way through it and it's very well accepted. But the bottom line to answer your question is it, it's just not a slam dunk to have a salesperson do this work. So if you really want, if, if that's the only option, then I would just say uh, help get help help that salesperson before before to get um, trained up a little bit, um, even if it's a crash course. It's funny you mentioned dumb questions because that's exactly the reason why companies seem to not let marketers talk to customers. Like, no, the sales teams own the relationship. We don't want you to say or ask a question, stupid question that we already are talking about and you would mess up our relationship. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like, I completely agree, Dave, like sales has, has a very specific job and we want them to be very, very good at that job. And for both sides of those conversations, customer and salesperson, like, you know, honest, open feedback sessions often, you know, get in the way, like confused communications. So to, to Salim's point, if we don't want, if we want sales focused on sales stuff, um, we also have had the challenges of, okay, sales also owns the relationship and they can be very protective of that relationship. So how do we, um, you know, maybe soften them up to kind of open it up for, uh, Hey, this is in your best interest if we can understand this. Um, but you're not going to have the usual amount of control over, over, over the situation. Yeah. I think one, one thing that's really nice about the about like a true voice of customer session is that you can tell the customer that you're going to promise them that you're not going to sell anything and you promise them that you're not going to solve anything. In other words, we may, you may express something in this meeting and we, we have, we already have the, <laughs> the product or service, but we're not going to tell you about it because that's not why we're here. And also if you say something, and one of our engineers happens to be there or, or, or um, I am that engineer, we're not going to take the time to try and work through the solution in this, in this meeting. And I think that if you tell um, like that salesperson or relationship manager more about what that meeting is going to be like, and also give examples of what great output has happened in the past, they, they warm up to it. And I'll tell you, they really warm up to it after doing one and the customer ends up saying, oh my gosh, this was amazing. You know, do you have an extra hour or, you know, let's do this again. Or this was like one of the best meetings I've ever had. 
you know, when they say that, hey, <laughs> uh, game on, because, um, you know, that's what salespeople want to hear. Awesome. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, we're all on the same team, hopefully going after the same goals, right? Yeah. And I'm um, not saying that it's that it's a, a slam dunk with every salesperson to get them over that hurdle. Sometimes, you know, you just have to say, look, you know, we're going to do this. You've, you've, you've got to trust us to do this. And if we screw up, then we won't do it again. And we'll be sorry, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> well said. Um, so to that point, we let's say we're aligned now and we know we need to do some, some real VOC. We're excited to, to have you on today to talk about, you know, your new, your new framework. Um, and, uh, for me, the first time I heard it, I, I thought it was brilliant. I love, love looking at things in a new way, especially when it's a, you know, seemingly, uh, well-known topic that isn't actually well-known, uh, you know, wordplay and, and the nuance of the wording that you're using, like, I just love it. So I'd love for you to, you know, break that down for us. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, th this, this concept came about, um, uh, that I'm writing my, my, uh, a new book on this topic and starting my own podcast on the topic as well. And we'll be writing about it. I've started doing that. Um, it came to me because of the overused word insight <laughs> and people are even naming their research departments, the insights department, and they're saying that they're customer centric and they're doing all these different things and they're getting these insights. And I, I just heard it so much, except I started hearing it from companies that I actually didn't really even think were necessarily all that customer focused. And I, I was kind of uh, baffled by all that. And then I, I finally came to understand that even if customers sort of um, check the box on doing voice of customer research, that they're still doing it from their own perspective. Why are they doing it? They're doing it because someone told them that if they are more customer oriented or do this VOC, that they're going to make more money for themselves. They're going to sell more. They're going to make more money. They're going to do better for them. And so when they look for insights, they're looking for insights that are going to help themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not their customers. And so I, I started thinking about this word insight and I realized that it's like the combination of two words in and sight as in like inward as in, Oh, <laughs> we want this for us from an inward standpoint. So I came up with the word outside and I'm thinking, okay, what can that really mean? Because I know what I believe uh, is true from doing this, doing so much of this. And that is that, there's really two kinds of companies out there. One, like the kind I said, who it's, it's all about them. Um, how do I make more money? And, and hey, that doesn't mean that they don't have a product or service that isn't valuable and that, that, that sells. 
they're still in business. People are buying something. So they got something, um, but they're doing it for them. There's another kind of company. Uh, and there aren't as many of them, but there can be many, many more. And that's, hey, I'm totally devoted to you as a customer or customers, plural. And I want to know what, what are you doing? What, how do you use what we supply to get your job done and to serve your own customers and, and to, and to you know, complete the task that you're doing? Because at the end of the day, everything that we in the B2B world, everything we provide to another business is a tool for them to help get their job done. And if we say, hey, I'm dedicated to that, to helping you do that, then my success will follow, guaranteed, because then we're, we're sensitive to that, we're, we're devoted to it. Um, and that drive that could drive our innovation too, because if we really believe that, then we're always asking them about their job and we know about what they're doing and how we can help them even more. So the outside concept that I have is, um, and it may, you know, it may be semantics a little bit, but the, if I, I picture like binoculars or this spyglass, and this is like, the one kind of a company that's like very self-centered and looking out, oh, let me see, you know, let me look closer and see what I can learn to help help me. But with Outsight, what I am suggesting is you take this, these binoculars or this spyglass and you hand it over to the customer and you let that customer use it and look through it and tell you what they see because it's about the customer's perspective. That's what we have to try to get to when we're doing our voice of customer is getting to how the how our customer views things, not how we view things or not how we really understand our customers. You know, it's really more about them, how they view us, how they view the marketplace, how they view the tasks that they're trying to accomplish and then how we can help them. And there's lines of questioning that I believe there's a process that I believe we can follow to get that outside. And then everybody, everybody wins, you know, they win because we do a better job for them and we win because we've done a good job and, you know, then our, and our sales and are good. So, so that, that's, that's a, that's a tough ask. That's a tough ask to basically ask them to see their, their true form. We've we've heard it a lot. As long as nobody's complaining, we're good. We can keep on doing what we're doing. But we, me and Chris, we talk a lot about like customers are settling the moment that someone provides them with the uh, experience that they were expecting. Uh, they're going to stop settling with you. So you should be able to be strong enough to do exactly that. Take a look at yourself, how your customers see see you, and fix those problems preemptively before somebody else you know, does for you. Well, that is very interesting comment. I, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, you don't want to be the one with your head in the sand. Um, even if you do have okay sales, you don't want to be sort of, um, you know, uh, pretending like everything is okay or scared to hear the truth, whatever that truth might be. Um, I think I'd rather find it out now than later when it's too late. 
you'd think uh, that people would want that. Um, <laughs> you, you you would you would you would think. So, you know, I love, you know, so much can be, I guess, oversimplified to to semantics and and wordplay. But I think when when you watch over the years, just customer centricity, customer experience, customer success, all these new phrases to come into the spotlight and, you know, for industrial manufacturing, you know, it's very easy for them to write off things like that from what I've seen, like as just like the word of the day, the buzzword, right? Um, so I think like, you know, the, the semantics it's just a different way to get them, you know, to think uh, about the situation, especially when they they have adopted a word like insights and clearly, you know, are using it a certain way. You know, adding a new version of insights is not going to really move the needle usually. So uh, it might be semantics, but I think it can be really powerful. Um, at the very least, it gives you an opportunity to explain what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's right. I, I I I do, and even if it just sort of gets their attention, and and they listen to it, and 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 some people can learn um, this very simple process, um, and that, that that can be helpful. And and they're well, they're welcome to continue calling it whatever they want, um, as long as they you know it's directed for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, for the right reasons is absolutely right. Like the intention behind all this stuff. And if we can take them there and, you know, galvanize that understanding, then, then we're in a much better place to, to get to these, you know, your framework, which, which I love, um, pretty simple words on the surface, but, you know, combine them in this order, it, it should be simple to follow and with very powerful results. So, um, you mind taking us through each step? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, it's going to be fun because I've created an actual visual, uh, like a compass. Um, it's it's um, uh, three concentric circles with a bullseye in the middle um, and sort of four quadrants. So if you picture a compass as having different um, points, north, south, east, west, this would have um, sort of four quadrants. And each of the four quadrants is labeled, and then each of those has three different sort of steps to it. But um, the four the four big steps are um, are are all all start with the letter F: uh, fix, focus, find, and fuel. The first one, fix, you you sort of think our our brain goes to that something's broken, we're needing to fix it. But um, the origin of the word it originally has to do with um, fixing your sights on something. And so by fix, we mean um, to actually set your objective for your, your voice of customer work. So it just, it, I think one of, the, one of the other problems that, that, that come up, that comes up is that companies will say to that salesperson or whoever it is, oh, go out and do some voice of customer you know, find out what they're thinking. That's not an objective. And that's another reason why it 
maybe is not effective and also fearful people are fearful of it. But if you go out and you have an objective and you say, you know, look, we say this about ourselves on our website and we make these key points. Can you go find out what do customers think? Why do they, why do they buy from us? What do they think our value proposition is and what three words would they use to describe us? I mean, now that's a specific ask and you can go out and ask that. Um, so I, I think you need to set an objective. You need to, um, you need to determine who you're going to be talking to because most people's customer bases have um, different segments in them. And so is this gonna be a case where you want um, sort of a sprinkling of information or, uh, or you know, uh, from a whole bunch of different segments and that would actually make sense to you? Or would that be confusing based on your, on your objective? If your objective is to, is about new product development and to get some input on, on, on a new product. Well, um, that sprinkling of segments might be, you, you'd have to talk to, you know, a huge sample. Um, but, but if it's very focused on, um, you know, on a, on a, an application of your product or service or a certain type where there's similarities between the customers, that's what I mean by segment, then that, that can be very appropriate in that case. So you want to set your objective and you want to set your, um, you know, your segment. And then you, there's logistics to setting up the meeting with the specific people. It's important to get the right people in that meeting. Um, so that's the fix part. Um, the focus part is actually about the meeting itself. And you, you mentioned the word intention before, and that's actually one of my words. That's the first key to that section of focus. You have to go into that meeting with a certain intention. Um, and that intention is really to help them, not you. <laughs> that's the simplest way of putting it. And then you have to pay attention. That's the second word. Um, and, then, and then your questions themselves are really the most important part of that. And if you may have some ulterior motives for talking to the customers, you want to bounce something off of them, that, that, that's, um, that's fair game. But don't start with that. Start open-ended. Start so, you know, if it's like the value proposition work, let's say that, you know, you, your, your company claims that it's, you know, um, you know high quality, high tech, uh, high touch or something like that, you know, Let, let's say that's the phrase that's on the, on the homepage, right? Don't go in there and say, so, you know, um, this is what we say on our homepage, you know, do you agree with this? Or, you know, you, in fact, in fact, that's you, leading the witness basically. Oh, you, well, you've heard it, it could be even worse. You could say, I'm, I'm sure you agree with this. Because I provide you with this service all the time, right? And they're not going to insult you to your face. So they, they agree and blah, blah, blah. So start off with, so um, remember when, you know, you went through this decision process a couple of years ago and you hired us? What, what was going through your mind? You know, what, what, why did you end up hiring us? You know, and there's more questions and back and forth and so forth. And then 
And then you could say something like, so, you know, why do you stick with us? You know, or, you know, what three words actually come to mind that describe us? Let them tell you. Then after that, you can say, hey, you know, our phrase on our website, if you've been there and it says, you know, high, uh, high quality, high tech, high touch. What do you think of that? You know, um, you think that really reflects us? It's, you've already, you've already, um, you know, found out what's really in their brain. So by this time, if they haven't said those things already, then they'll be like, well, I said before, you know, you're really not high tech, you know, it's, you know, sort of table stakes, but that's not, that's fine. You know? So you learn a lot <clears throat> from that. So that's um, the fix and, uh, and focus. The find is about the analysis stage. So we've got planning, we've got the meeting, we've got analysis, which is you've got, you know, let's say you do a few of these interviews. You've got a lot of great notes. You've got a lot of things to go through. What are the patterns? Um, what are the, the stories that are coming, coming out of that that are in common? And then did you find any gemstones? Did you find anything that like you've never heard before and, and surprises you? And it seems like something you might be able to use to, to help them. Um, and so, so that's the analysis stage and the find. And then the fuel is, you know, these are all verbs and you're going to use what you found to fuel success. Whose success? <laughs> well, the customer first, success. first the customer success. Ours will follow, but you know, use, use what you've learned to, to help. And, um, and, and, you know, somewhat selfishly, we can use that in our own content and our marketing. We've got lots of verbatim understanding now of how customers talk, what the words they use. Take, take verbatim notes when you're doing this. Don't paraphrase. Um, just write down as, or, or record as much as you can um, so that you're really getting it from, that's part of their perspective. Um, hearing their vo real voice, so uh, so those are the those are the main steps of the of the process. And uh, hey, you know it's not rocket science, really. And you can, you know, I've I know one company that's um, that's based in in Cleveland, uh, outside of Cleveland, where I where I'm from, and they have um, they have fifty formal voice of customer teams going at one time. It's a big B2B company. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Don't worry. If you are, if you're a small business owner, you're a small manufacturer or a medium sized manufacturer. I mean, even the biggest companies don't have that, you know, that that's unusual. Um, you can just start, just start by putting your toe in the water see how it is, go out there um, and, and start the conversations. And they can be short um, and informal if you want, and as long or as formal as you want. Yeah, uh, I love it. Like, again, it's, it's simple. Um, but what, what's interesting and just came to mind as you were going through it is like, you know, of the four, 
find is always going to happen. Like you're going to find stuff. And when you do any kind of research like this, the the key is that the rest, right? Like you got to make sure what you're finding is worth a damn. And if you don't have the fixed focus on point, you're going to find a bunch of stuff that won't matter. And you might spend a lot of money on, or you might make some pretty bad decisions, you know? And then the, the last one rang true is after you found it. Okay. What, what now? Like you're just going to stow it away in the old customer feedback, you know, repository and, and feel good that you, you can check VOC off the list. So definitely key. And I, I love how these work together. So um, thank you for breaking that down. Me and Chris, we have been championing the need for customer centricity and meeting the modern buyer expectation. For us, it's an intuitive concept that is validated by a small sample size from both of our experiences. But we mentioned in your intro that you have more than 10,000 hours of customer interviews under your belt. Based on your research, how would you describe the quote unquote modern customer and what are the table stakes they expect in a modern buying experience? That's a fantastic question. I think it's a moving target for sure. So what may be modern, <laughs> may have been modern a few years ago is not modern now. Um, and same with, you know, a decade ago, a couple decades ago. And I have, you know, my customer interviewing started, I hate to say it, but before the internet was really an active part of business life. So there were no websites and those sort of things. So that kind of customer, uh, especially in the B2B world, was much more reliant upon um, the, the knowledge and information that they got from distribution channels for sure, and from sales forces, and from good old fashioned printed material, whether it's brochures or catalogs or that sort of thing. You know, over the past several years, you know, what, what, 30 years or what have you, we've had, you know, the advent of the ability to access so much information um, to the extent now that B2B buyers, you know, a lot of research says that a B2B buyer is 60, 70, 80% of the way through their decision before they ever actually contact a company um, from a sales point of view. So that is way different, um, you know, on, the, on our own side as company, you know, owners or manufacturers, the great, you know, element that we have is that we have the ability to publish our own content <laughs> and we can, yeah. which is fantastic. We can, we can do that. Um, so we should do that with intention and care and so forth. So um, the modern buyer is going to be very informed. We're going to, we, we should go into a situation assuming that they are well-informed uh, already. Uh, and we should, I think, assume that they've done their homework. 
So they know something about our competition. They know something about their situation. Of course, they know more about their own, you know, situation than we do. So we should not be, um, you know, overconfident necessarily about how much we know about, about them before we learn about them. I think the modern buyer is under pressure to, uh, to buy things, you know, at the low, at, at a fair cost, a low cost. Um, but the modern buyer still appreciates human touch and still wants to buy from people that they like and trust. And so what does that mean for us? I think for us, that means we need to, we need to do our homework and we need to make a case for our value proposition, whether it's initial purchase price or, or overall cost of ownership and, and proving out ROI and being able to put that, um, that ammunition in the hands of buyers so that they can then go to their management and explain why they're paying a little bit more than just the commodity, you know, low cost price. And, and then coupled with that, you know, all this talk about AI, all this talk about, you know, how automated everything is and technology and all that, that's great. That's going to be there. Customers are going to use that. But I am absolutely convinced that in the coming years, more than ever, people are going to appreciate people, human beings. And so what does that mean for us? So we got to prove our ROI and then we got to build a real relationship. We got to care about these people, you know? Yep. And, you know, what does that mean? That means, hey, you know, when you get on a Zoom with them, you know, do you launch literally right into, you know, whatever your pitch is without any kind of introduction and talk nonstop? Or do you ask them where they're located or something about the, you know, the guitar and their you know, Zoom background? And, you you know, before you know it, you've learned about their family and their kids playing some sport or something something that will connect you to them and vice versa. Um, so it's not all business, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be. You, you've mentioned AI and me and Chris, we view AI as a tool and like many other tools, it's ripe for misuse, but we believe it's there to automate the, busy work so we can focus on relationship building. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I actually use AI as I would use, um, say, an assistant. Um, and I actually speak to the AI prompt in that way. I, I give the prompt um, instructions and, and background and context and just the way I would like actually verbalize it to someone sitting across my desk who I'm asking them to help me with something. Because the more background you can give somebody, the better they're going to be able to 
to do it and deliver it in the way that you want. Um, I think a lot of people don't even think of that AI, I mean, if you had an assistant and you were giving them instructions, you would also tell them what format you wanted in back. But Correct. people don't realize you can do that in AI, you know, and it can save you a lot of time. But yes, the um, we can go down the AI rabbit hole. But but <laughs> yes, the it's it's human relationships. Uh, I think will be even more important. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you put it that way about you know we we have to care as businesses about you know about these relationships and these you know, prospective buyers. And the, the, the real challenge is you got to care before they raise their hand to, to buy, right? And that's where, you know, um, they understand these tools exist. Uh, so while our interaction shouldn't be all business, the business needs to be taken care of by the website, by the information, by all the other information that so they can do their research, you know, while also meeting their B2C, you know, expectations of, you know, value, 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 you know, quick speed, all that stuff. So it's, it's not without challenge and it's not the easiest thing, which again is why you can make it easier for yourself uh, by going through, you know, this customer outside framework, because they'll tell you. They'll tell you exactly what you can do to help them and to serve these needs. It's not, it doesn't have to be a black box. Um, so understanding those expectations and this framework, um, what can they do? What can orgs do today uh, to, you know, think about organizing around this, like actually executing it? Because um, that's what I find to be the hard part, you know, there's a lot of frameworks out there. Um, but what's missing is it's just so brand new for some companies, you know, who's in charge of this? How do we execute? What's the best way to review? Uh, how do we measure it? You know, things like that. So what have you seen, you know, work or what are your recommendations for, for teams that really want to take this seriously? Yeah, I've got a couple suggestions and it depends on how deeply you want to go into it. Um, so it can, as I said earlier, I think it can be informal as informal as you want or as formal as you want. So, I mean, I'll start with informal, which is, which is sort of easy at one end of the spectrum. Um, if you just want to get started, um, you can have a, you, you can, um, assign a person or have a couple people as a team, um, contact a few customers and, um, and ask them if, you know, as long as you get your objective and you're, you've got a, a why, why you're doing this, um, uh, then have a conversation with them um, that is, as I said earlier, open-ended at the first part. And then if there's some specific things you want to ask, then, then ask that next. And the analysis doesn't have to be um, really all that um, intense. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, most of these meetings that I've ever come out of, uh, either I think it in my head or if I'm with another person, they just said, they would say like immediately following the meeting, oh my gosh, that was, that was incredible. 
Did you hear what he, he or she said about X? You know, I've never heard that before. So sometimes even those gems just like pop right out of the ground in there <laughs> and they're right there in your face, which is great. Um, so I wouldn't just, I, I wouldn't worry about overcomplicating um, any one of these, these stages um, w when it comes to the most, most informal. So then let me just, I'll touch on something that's a very formal way of doing it. Um, there's a, there's a process called new product blueprinting. This is if, let's say that, that your voice of customer work really want, you know, want, you want to focus it, your objective is on, on new products or enhancing current products. And you want that, those unmet needs associated with those so that you can, you know, direct R and D to, um, on, on what to do specifically. So there's a, there's this, um, process called new product blueprinting out of the aim Institute. Um, and that actually has software that goes along with it that, um, facilitates the meeting. There's a whole, a, a more intense process. Um, there's a process there's involved in that software is projecting it during the meeting, um, either on zoom or in person where you've got sort of these digital sticky notes that you're typing verbatim notes onto and now that in that case, when the meetings are finished, you can have it mine your data to pull out. And actually there's some new AI plugins for that. That's a perfect practical application for that um, to, to help with the analysis. And, um, and th th that works great. And there's actually even more parts of that process where, you know, you go, you could go back a second time and prioritize things that you've heard, um, so that you're, you know, working on so trying to solve, you know, just the most important unmet needs. They, they would be ones that are highly important yet not, but low current, current satisfaction in their ability to whatever their, you know, whatever that problem is. Um, and then that can go into the stage gate process of, you know, of, of your, of your manufacturing company, um, for, for product development. So you, to me, to answer your question, there's, um, there, there's informal at one end of the spectrum and formal, and there's all sorts of things in between. And, you know, I conduct personally lots of these types of interviews. Um, and I also train people, train companies in multiple methodologies of how to do it, you know, from that uh, sort of informal all the way to the formal. I have a, I have a question. Uh, since we're, since me and Chris were more focused on the industrial and manufacturing space, I'm interested in hearing if you've noticed any specific patterns or, you know, gems or things that are typical of the industrial and manufacturing space that are not too common otherwise? Well, with manufacturing, it, it, it depends a little bit. Um, let's assume that, that the, that the company that is conducting the voice of customer, you know, for their customer, they're, they're a manufacturer of something. Now when in B2B, obviously that could be, um, 
a product, a, a full, a full blown finished product that another company uses. But it also could be an ingredient in a product that a, another company makes. And so I would divide those two things in my head a little bit first in answering your question, because um, the finished product, I think that that part, um, there aren't a lot of surprises or commonalities because it, it, it's, it's not a consumer buying that product. Let's say it's a drill, a power drill, but it's a special kind of drill. It's only used in industrial applications or job sites and no, no consumer. They're not buying it at Home Depot or anything like that. Um, and maybe it's made by, um, you know, uh, one of the, you know, big, big manufacturers, um, a big B2B company, you know, there's, there's going to be, I think, less surprises there. But when you're selling something that um, somebody else uses to incorporate in their, in their product, then you get, then that's, I mean, that's where I think uh, most of the really interesting stuff comes out in that um, there's process improvements that you can maybe help them make when you really understand how is it that you're, you know, at what stage and let me watch your production process and let me ask you these questions about this. Um, there, there's some amazing things that, that, that happen there. And, um, the other thing is you can go, don't limit yourself to just like, we say voice of customer, the word customers in there, but it could be your customer's customer. You know, there's a whole value chain here of sales uh, that trickles down and it could go beyond that. And so, um, you know, when you are interviewing, think about going past your direct customer and then bringing back that insight to your direct customer. Um, you know, not in a, uh, in a roundabout way, like that they would be suspicious of you or you're trying to go around them or anything like that, but in a product, you know, a constructive way. That's yeah, that's so well said. And ultimately that's why we're insights like that or why we're, why we're doing this podcast, because I think there's so much opportunity um, in understanding the supply chain and the value chain better and the roles that each company plays, it's easy for the smaller guys to just assume that the bigger guys, you know, have all the leverage and, you know, all this stuff. But when you can bring, you know, uh, your insights to them and help them save, you know, just like you're helping your customer, you know, whoever the end user customer is like, that can have a big impact to their business. And now, you know, things even out and there's, there's huge opportunity for companies just to partner better. Um, I think in that department, so I'm you know, so happy you, you brought that up. Yeah. And just, here's another very practical tip. It has to do with the, the C and VOC and voice of customer. So I have, <clears throat> I like to say that there's lots of C's in VOC. <clears throat> so, Typically, when I do projects, the first thing I'll do is interview people from the company. So that is voice of company, <laughs> right? Um, 
And because it's a good starting place to get yourself smart, you know, and even if it's your own company, you know, it's like, oh, let me go talk to other people. Remember my, my example about the value proposition, like what, why do people really buy from us? And, you know, is this catchphrase we have, is that really reflective of what we are? So go around and ask some people in your own company and ask them open-endedly, you know, hey, why do you think people buy from us? Why do you think this? Why do you think that? Then go, there's another C in VOC, which is channels. Then go to your channels of distribution. So if you, have, if you sell through distributors, reps, wholesalers, even retailers, whatever, um, go to them next because you're still trying to get smarter and then go to the customer. I mean, you could argue that there's a competitor in there, a C for competitor, um, and you might not feel comfortable doing your own competitor um, interviews per se, but you could do competitor research and draw a map of what you think the market might look like. So that's another C. So um, I could probably keep going all day with different Cs <laughs> in VOC. <laughs> well, Dave, this was an amazing conversation, and we would love to you know, uh, keep that conversation going. If people enjoyed this and want to work closely with you, where can they find you? Sure. Um, I'm very easily find, findable on, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I am also at loomismarketing.com. Um, you can find my book, my current book on Amazon. That's called Marketing is Everything We Do. And um, it's... Uh, how serving others brings success in business and in life. And so that one really uh, is sort of the, the foundation piece for going into customer outside and that, that mindset shift that we, that we want to get, that it's serving others. Um, and, and, you know, uh, email me, call me Dave at loomismarketing.com. It's pretty simple. And, uh, and I love just, I love talking to people and, and, you know, meeting new people and helping and, you know, cause I, I try to drink my own, uh, Kool-Aid too. So, Kool yeah. you know, it's yeah. not about me. It's about me helping you. And you've missed, and if you've missed any of that, we'll have links in the description. Uh, make sure to follow Dave. Uh, he has great content on LinkedIn and also follow me and Chris and, uh, thank you for listening and see you in the next one. Take care. Thanks for having me.